Hey, what's the story? You're listening to Origin Stories, a podcast where entrepreneurs, founders, and business leaders reflect on their past and identify the key turning points that helped them go from zero to hero. My name is Robert Tai, and I'm a journalist and the founder of StoryBud, a company that helps businesses tell better stories. I've been lucky enough to work with some high achievers over the last 18 years, and in Origin Stories, I chat with them about how they make big decisions and what you can learn from their mistakes. So welcome to uh, Origin Stories. I'm Robert Tai, and my uh, my guest this week is Aaron Carter from from Total Sport. Very welcome, Aaron. How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. Thanks. How are you going? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Where in where in the world am I talking to you from? Where where, where are you uh, zooming from? I'm in my office, uh, and uh, we live in in Topol these days. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, we um, kind of split the business, and we made a bit of a lifestyle move down here, and then kind of built up a team down here and stuff so we've got half the crew in Auckland now and and half of us are down here pretty uh good part of the world to build a a, a total sport outdoor event business right yeah 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 it wasn't the uh but it, it wasn't at all the the primary reason for moving it was very much kind of lifestyle and trying to work out how to exit Auckland but um I think one of the positive byproducts was definitely this area, this region is pretty massive for the kind of things we do. So there's been some advantages. Very, very good. Before we get into it, I should tell people a little little bit about you. You sent me an email last week that read, I've only ever had one career and then that's in sport sports event management to be to be specific i started my career at sport auckland where i was employed as an event manager and my job was to deliver a portfolio of events i spent two and a half years at sport auckland and that was a, you know a, a great apprenticeship in sports event management uh, in 2000 i wandered into my boss's office and convinced him to make my position redundant and thus total sport was born nearly 20 years on total sport is one of new zealand's largest and well-known sports event companies so I suppose I want to ask you about the, the you know some of the key turning points and decisions over those um, years that that led to Total Sport. From going through this process with people, there seems to be kind of two, three, four kind of key kind of moments that 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 kind of influenced everything that followed. For most people, that starts with family or school or both. So I suppose first question in terms of what you do now with Total Sport, what was it family or school or both that got you interested in in sport? Yeah, so the I guess the the origin was for me was was sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to went to a boys boarding school, so just based around the nature of that, you know, w- w- it was kind of modelled that we got a lot of outdoor time. I, I was like most probably like a lot of Kiwi boys and girls, uh, really keen to get out and about. The school stuff was you know okay, but I'd much rather be out there kicking around with my with my mates. And so, and I was and I was pretty. I was pretty good at sport too, so I was, um, you know, most of the things that I did, I was okay at. <laughs> we actually get to that probably later. The things that I'm useless at are the things that I love the most now, which are trail running and things like that. But um, I was, a, you know, played a lot of cricket and, and soccer and rugby and that kind of thing. But there was always a really strong foundation for being outside and playing sport. In those days, very much kind of team-based Cool. So what level did you get to? Uh, did you ever have dreams of, of playing full-time in any of those sports, uh, Aaron? I'm, I'm not sure whether I did necessarily got regrets about this. I was a good I was a good cricketer. Yeah. I, I went to a school that, and I'm not making excuses here at all, but I went to a school that wasn't really geared to 
um, look after talented sports people. Like it was pretty much you would you were kind of doing it on on your own. And I was a bit lazy, so I was um, a classic, reasonably talented sports person who a wasn't really taught and b didn't have the internal drive to kind of take it to the next level. So I played a pretty decent level of cricket. Um, went straight from school into sort of the top senior men's grade, which was a hell of a eye opener for me. You know, playing at, at 17 with um, three or four present kind of what we call black caps. The whole structure around cricket back then was different. You'd have, you'd have you know, people, guys like Danny Morrison, who was opening the bowling and, and, you know, for New Zealand in those days, playing in the team that I was playing in. And I was just petrified. I, I was too scared to chat to any of these any of these guys it was a it was a real it was a real interesting experience so i played play a little bit of rep cricket but yeah didn't didn't go too much further and and played with guys who who represented their you know represented new zealand and stuff and do you want to name you know, some names can you name any names um i oh, the guy that um you know him and i were kind of sort of heading side by side doing kind of similar things a guy called richard jones who played um yeah, he was an amazing cricketer played um not a huge amount, played a couple of tests and various other other um, games for, for New Zealand. And um, yeah, as I said, sort of played alongside guys like Richard Reid, who, who captained New Zealand, hmm. um, Danny Morrison, and um, yeah, all, all, all sorts of people. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So when you, when you when you first started thinking, I suppose, about a, a career or a job after school, what were, what were you thinking? What, what, was your, what was in your head? What was your dream job? Definitely sport. Definitely wanted to be involved in sport and recreation. And then the other major influencer was my mother, who was involved in events. Right. Uh, n- not sport. Like she was my biggest, um, my biggest fan, and would you know sit there watching me play play cricket. For, I would go from morning cricket at school to senior cricket in the afternoon, and she would kind of just hang out the whole day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Remarkable. And she was involved in, in primarily conference type event management. So sure. it's probably not that big a surprise that I sort of, <laughs> you know, kind of those, those sort of two things came together. Um, and she was, you know, she was an influencer in the early part of total sport. And um, unfortunately, she, she passed away way, way, way too early at, at um, the ripe young age of 50. Oh, wow. And lost a, <laughs> lost a battle with cancer, which started right. in her mid-30s. Wow. Um, and if we get more to the the business side of things later, then yeah, I can I can share a little more around our you know she her, her kind of advice to me, which I very much ignored in the early days. What was her advice? What was her advice that you ignored? Well, I guess if we you know we sort of go back to the the, the early days of Total Sport, where it was was me mm. um, doing kind of everything, every kind of aspect and facet of, of the job, putting on events, I was kind of leading, which which is fascinating now that I look around. The business now and i do virtually none of that stuff but you know i'm not sure if i mentioned that document i sent through but the, the book you know the book in me is probably around how not to start a business right and um so i did very very little planning financial or otherwise and she also came from an accounts sort of um finance background so yeah we had quite a few conversations and probably those first two three four years around the I guess the potential sustainability of this um, this little business called Total Sport that I you know that I kind of conjured up from <laughs> from nothing, um, but I guess I was reasonably stubborn. I was pretty determined, um, and 
yeah, in a, in a polite way, kind of um, thanked her for advice and just carried on doing what I was doing. Anyway. <laughs> so, so to re to rewind to your Sport Auckland days, um, for somebody who had no idea about financial planning or how to run a business or any of that stuff, what prompted you to go out on your own? What do you, do you remember the, the the moment that you decided, hey, why not? Or like, or was it? It was it. Was it considered? Yeah, it, it was. It was. It's you know, it's probably the way in which I do a bit of my thinking and come to some of my decisions. When I reflect back, I just got this feeling that I wanted to do something for myself. Like I think the big the big driver was starting a business. Yeah. And it was never about needing to be the boss. Like I'm, I'm a very reluctant kind of boss anyway and kind of mm. always have been and much prefer kind of being in the shadows. But that was the thing. I was like, right, I'm in this job that's giving me a really good grounding around how to do this stuff. I like events. I, I love the bringing the people together, you know, to put these things on. And 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 I love sport, and I want to do something for myself. I feel mm. like I feel like I'd get great satisfaction from starting a business. So it was really a combination of those three things, and then the timing, as as, as you sort of mentioned earlier. You know, that organisation that I was working for really great but always you know really struggling financially and and i could just see this opportunity where i've been there for long enough and had a pretty good understanding around the events that they would like to continue so that sort of became my pitch to, to my boss was hey i'll i'll deliver these it was three events that you know that they were really keen to continue yeah uh, so that that was a pitch pitch that that one got a car contract for 20 grand, which seemed like such a lot of money back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I left that job with this guaranteed kind of contract of 20 grand. And then from there, we, <laughs> we struggled along for a few years before we started getting a bit clearer. I say we, it was again, it was me, you know, before I started actually getting a bit clearer around what total sport might be. What were the big challenges? What, what were the, what were the major hurdles you had to overcome? You know, the, the, the dollars, the finance thing was always tricky. Mm. However, you know, they were actually kind of golden days too because I had I had no real responsibilities. Like I wasn't married or partnered with kids, so I didn't need salary. I was taking drawings when required to pay, you know, things like rent and stuff. It was all, like, again, I wouldn't recommend to people that they go that, that way. Yeah. But, um, it was really just driven along by um, by this keenness just to kind of create something, really. Yeah. And it, and it all, it all kind of it all kind of came from there. And then we got to a point where um, I was still playing cricket. And then I sort of got this inkling around, um, you know, these running events mostly. I was really attracted to um, the outdoors, but not, the roads so much more kind of locations forests and coastlines and and then the first event that we you know that's we still still going an event called the coastal challenge which is you know probably my sentimental favorite i think if i had to put that on record it was just basically this really simple concept about getting people to run down the north shore coastline which seemed like such a cool thing to do and the fact that you could do that with no and you know no interaction on roads not that there was any you know, traffic management wasn't a thing back then, but um, just the idea of getting people, you know, out of the out of the off, off the beaten track and into doing these cool things. And then once we did that, like that event started, it'll be the nineteenth year next year. It started with nearly six hundred people, which was a lot of people back then. And I was like, wow, people are prepared to pay to do that. And then from there, incrementally, I started to get 
a lot clearer around the strategic direction of the business and the purpose. And it all started kind of distilling itself, but it was very much a work in progress. And you know, from Coastal, we then started looking at other concepts like getting people into the Waitakere's and um, you know running on trails there and, and on all sorts of things to the point where you know we started getting a, a part-timer then a staff member then one or two more and it all it all just kind of you know snowballed but kind of a little bit in slow motion I think had I had that plan it would have been a lot clearer we would have probably got to places a lot quicker than we did. It, it obviously the timing was really important as well because it coincided with you know a rise in the popularity of, of trail running and I suppose outdoor events not just in New Zealand but I would suggest around the world right for sure like we've had some luck and probably the single piece biggest piece of luck that that I had was that New Zealand was kind of ready to embrace this kind of outdoor recreation as a legitimate kind of option and again, I, I really hadn't done the diligence or mm. the research around that. Um, it was kind of based a little bit selfishly around the things that I liked. So I kind of replaced cricket and all these structured team sports with, with these things that were still really awesome, but I was able to do on my own time. So I think, and I get this get this story quite a lot from people, particularly those that are in their, you know, sort of my age bracket, you know, 40s, 50s, where you go through the process of career and family. And if you were playing structured team sport, it generally oftentimes falls by the wayside because you're dealing with these other things. Yeah. And one day, you know, you look down, you can't see your feet, and it's like, well, it's time to it's time to get the shoes on and, you know, maybe start by going for a walk and then, you know, these the journeys that we see some of these people take from, you know, literally not being able to see their uh, feet when they go for a pee to, um, you know, doing marathons and ultras, it's... Um, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I think that my first uh, experience of a total sport event was back, I think it was 2010. I went out to an event at Shakespeare Regional Park and uh, it was just, it, I think it might have been just after the first Christchurch Christchurch um, earthquake. I met, um, I met a baker from Tip Top Bakery in uh, Odahu who had been woken that morning with a phone call about the, the earthquake down in Christchurch and he was the operations manager or something in the factory and he had to organise to bake an extra 30,000 loaves of bread to send down to Christchurch because the tip top factory was shut. In between doing that, he managed to race out to Shakespeare and do your event. And I managed oh. to grab I managed to grab him at the finish line and ask him, you know, why why did you make such an effort to get here? And he said, well, it's 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 the event and the location that makes it so special. It's it's an escape for me from the stresses of work. And this guy was a big unit and, and he said he said I I sometimes feel like a Saint Bernard amongst greyhounds. But he said, total sport have a great way of making everybody feel like a champion at the end of the event. And, and that for me kind of sums up total sport and, and the outdoor events that you guys run, right? Okay, it's very much about making everybody feel included and feel like a champion. Yeah, I think that, I think I, that, that guy, I think, is um, Gerald Taylor, I think the guy that you were chatting about. Correct. Is, is that right? Yeah. Correct, yep. You know, and that, that guy remains like he's one of, oh, hundreds of people who tell mm. you know that sort of a story i was had goosebumps while you were telling that by the way because mm. still the thing for me and as the as the company has grown it's become so much more than the fact that people go and do these cool events it's what 
these events and what being able to create that platform people gives people. Mm. Now, he, and that guy remains one of our biggest fans. I probably haven't seen him in nearly 10 years because he moved to right. Australia not long after that. Right, okay. He still, he still pops up. He still shares our posts. He sends me the odd note, you know, just telling me, reconfirming how, you know, how, how much he loves this kind of stuff, even though he's he, he hasn't been back here for a long, long time. Total sport is for people like that. I, I like the... Um, what do he call himself? Uh, something among a St. A St. Bernard, a big St. Bernard dog against greyhounds. But, you know, he, he, he talked to me. The other thing that he got out of it was, you know, when he went into work on a Monday morning and people asked him what he did at the weekend, instead of saying he, you know, sat in front of the TV and, and, and I went to a game, he was able to say, you know, I... I ran 20 kilometers along the coast and up and down these hills and through some mud. And people looked at him like he was crazy, but he just got such a sense of, you know, satisfaction about being able to kind of obviously go through it and, and then and, and share the experience with uh, with his workmates, which is which is cool, right? It, it is. And it's infectious, too. Mm. Like we've seen, I mean, you see, we've been going just over 20 years now. So you see these kind of cycles in this, in this kind of um, industry that we're in kind of come and go. And it's really cool, too, that. There's, you know, there's people having that conversation now with their peers who have also been out there doing those events with them. So mm. this whole kind of collective um, organizational kind of buy into these sorts of events has been really growing again the last few years because it's such a easy, cheap way to, um, you know, to, to get your people connecting in a non-work environment. And, uh, you know, the positive spin-offs for that stuff are immense too, man. Like we've got compared to, you know, Several years ago, but so many of these groups now that come out mm. as work groups and they become mates on the trails. It's that's wicked. That's really awesome, eh? We've we've uh, we've dovetailed into a chat about running, but that's fine because I'm 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 obviously a runner now as well. Since since that event, that first event I went to as a, as a journalist and a writer, I, I was converted. But but it seems to me, I mean. Again, is that does that happen by chance that you create that kind of a culture where it's all inclusive and all encouraging, um, or is it something that is shared with trail running events around the world? Would you say? I think um, I think a bit of both. So if we kind of fast forward the total sport journey just a, a few years, mm. I did actually get really clear around the purpose of of, of the business, and there were some really key bits, and they're very much the foundations of the business that I was. I was really attracted to and trying to create something and that you mentioned it already, that word inclusive was always mm. a massive mm. one. Like mm. these events are about providing a space, mm. a, a space where people feel welcome and not threatened mm. um, to bring, you know, bring people together to kind of like-minded people together. We, whether someone's doing their five, first 5k walk or someone is knocking out their 75th marathon, the challenge, which I feel like we usually get do pretty well, is bringing all those people together in this common place and creating a place where those two people can have conversations. And I think trail runners, more than any I've seen, and there's a whole different bunch of sectors, and and we categorise them all, and they are, are all a bit different, but I, I believe that trail runners are the most welcoming, are the most down-to-earth. They're, the, they're the kind of ones that, have, for me, have got the, the best, characters out there and that mm. they they are really welcoming by nature so mm. I, you hear and again we you know we're so privileged to, to be in this game because you get exposed to these amazing stories around the journeys that people take but also that you know the classic and often it's a female who's feels threatened to go you know it just feels like it's a step too far to go and do one of these events and she, she you know she gets coerced 
by her mates and she goes there and she's freaking out and she doesn't know what to expect. There is a classic, you know, the series, mm, um, yeah. the trial run series. So she might go to the first one and then you watch this transition through the series. By the end of it, you know, she's made new friends. Like she's mm. got this, she's got this gang now that she hangs out with. Yeah. The confidence to be able to run 5, 10, 20 Ks is there. Wearing the gear, like it becomes this place. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like Fight Club. It's this thing that people crack into and they they latch onto. But I'm, um, you know, it's yeah, it's that spot for them. eh? this big escape thing is pretty important, I think, because again, a lot a lot of people that we chat to, they and like Gerald's a classic. A lot of a lot of high pressure jobs mm. you know, that these people are doing, and I think they come to us to you know to kind of provide some of that kind of escape for them in their in their downtime it's it's a responsibility that we take really seriously yeah the other thing i think that stands apart for for me for comparing trail running say to uh, road running or road cycling which is very obsessed with numbers and beating your personal best and and strava and i know that goes on in, in trail running too but because of the nature of the courses and, 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 and you know, one 20K event um, might take you, a regular runner, two hours. Another 20K event might take them four hours. You just cannot pace yourself to the same extent. So as a result, you tend to, I think, just appreciate the journey more and, and, and run for the sake of running rather than kind of constantly checking your watch and, and making sure you're hitting your, your splits, right? I mean, my, my wife came to the end of a trail um, marathon that I did last year and she, um, she worked as a physio previously at, at road marathon and she said the difference between people crossing the finish line of a trail marathon compared to people crossing the finish line of a road marathon was just chalk and cheese because at the end of a road marathon people are spent they go through that wall because they've heard about the wall they know about it at a trail event I, 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 it's not to the same extent and, and again I'm interested to hear your your thoughts on that oh I think you I think you're bang on like and again, you have the, have the conversation with the people and often, you know, the roadie, we call them roadies, roadies mm. that turn up and find us for whatever reason, maybe their bodies fall into bits and, and um, they hit the trails and, you know, in their mind that, yeah, they're doing a 140 half marathon or a two hour or whatever. And then, yeah. you, you know, and then they meet us at the Spates West Coaster, you know, at Bethel's Beach and, and, and they sometimes have this expectation that they're going to do a, you know, a time that may be a little bit more than that, but not much. Sure. The one thing we really try to do is match expectations with with these people. Like if you get the opportunity to chat to that person, it's like, hey, you know, be, be prepared that you might double your time here. And sometimes they get it, and sometimes they don't. Those who get it, I think they, they, they would sort of share the common views around those events that they're generally harder than road events in terms of the terrain and mm. the, you know the, the 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 different kind of um, the different types of terrain that you might encounter encounter in these events. But it's the vista, it's the it's the nature thing, like yeah. being outdoors yeah. and not on these, you know, these roads. And it might hurt more, but it but the journey is a lot a, a lot more enjoyable for, for all of those reasons, and and probably harder too, which I think gives these people this heightened sense of accomplishment as well. There's something kind of pretty cool about knocking out a, a half marathon, like a really tough half marathon. It takes three to four hours. Like, yeah, like, man, that was that was tough. Yeah, and, and different just by nature, those, you know, um, and we and we love them, you know, these good, good runners who knock out these crazy times. Total respect to them, but total sport is, is, is not and was never created for them. Mm. It was created for the other people that um, are just, you know, kind of trying to trying to get into the sport and 
want you know wanting to find this this kind of happy place yeah very good we should get back to the business um side of things uh, you mentioned obviously starting out you were winging it was there again a decisive moment or a turning point or, or a mentor or somebody who, who kind of put you on the right track or i suppose even a point when you realized actually i'm, I'm, I'm getting good at this I remember having a, a business mentor, which kind of one of those ones you kind of Google business mentors and they pop yeah. up. And I, I, I kind of had for a couple of years a guy that you know helped me out with some pretty pretty basic stuff. But in in real, like I really I really kind of did it by myself. I got to a point, probably about ten years ago, where because it's kind of a lonely job, particularly mm. when when you're, you're making decisions and, and you're, you, because you haven't really been in that position before, you're not necessarily sure whether you're making the right decisions. I started to go looking for people because I, I did kind of work out where my weaknesses were and there was kind of plenty of them. Um, and one that recurring one is probably financial where I was making decisions and maybe not balancing quite as I should have been the kind of, you know, the, the business plan with the, the potential financial ramifications. So I actually went seeking some people to kind of try and get on board. And I ended up making a decision to, to kind of create this board, uh, which we still have now. There's three guys on there, plus me. And I ended up um, selling them a small share of the business. And it wasn't necessarily that that was the plan to do it. Just it just as the conversations kind of transpired was was a real way to get these guys fully invested. Um, so, so, yeah, you know that whole kind of finding people, mentors to chat to was that did become important, but probably not till not, you know, not. It's probably been the last ten years or so that 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 has happened. Prior to that, there was a lot of trusting your gut, starting to get a feel for the organisation. You know, then the research around other events and sure. and you know making calls around the sort of stuff that we thought we could do. And once we got clear on the purpose, all of those decisions became a whole lot easier. Like if the if the company is about you know creating great events and stunning locations whereby you're bringing like-minded people together to create this you know non-threatening inclusive experience, all of a sudden, when you get that sort of definition, it's quite easy to make decisions. Sure. The first, the first few years, not so much. How many people would you or do you have the number have been through or participated in total sport events over the years? Yeah, I did do this number recently for one of in a presentation that I did, and I think I'd worked out that we had produced somewhere between it was three to three hundred and fifty events, and it was kind of like around half a million, I think. Wow, people had done the events. Yeah, so kind of, you know reasonably impactful. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and as as you said, I mean, because it does change people's does change people's lives and the you know what they do with themselves at weekends and and if you if you commit to one of these, these events I, I find the emotion at the finish line is pretty it's pretty high because you know you've 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 committed to it for six months or three months or whatever it takes and, and it is it's yeah very impactful i would say this time last year aaron i'm guessing you were flying high i mean i i think total sport was in you know probably a really good position right and, and looking forward to 2020 i i i'm wary of going there because because I know what a tough year it's been for for your industry in particular. But yeah, tell me about you know this time last year and how things have changed for you. Yeah, okay. I'll just take it back a couple of years just yeah. to kind of paint a paint a picture because it, it might uh, it might be even a better story. Yeah. Um, but going back into um, 2017, 2018, 
we had a couple of really tough years. Okay. So, you know, I continue to um, get some things right and then a whole bunch of things wrong as well. And 2017 and 2018, we ended up losing quite a bit of money through, but mostly, not all, but mostly due to an event that I thought was going to be the next big thing and wasn't. Okay. And one of, one of my learnings out of that one, just as a side note, was that my team weren't into it. It was a big road-based marathon. It kind of deviated from the purpose. Okay. But I saw this opportunity. I had um, relationships and got funding to put this event on and thought it was going to be the next Auckland marathon, and, and it wasn't. Okay. So we felt, we felt some financial hardship through that event. And then 2019, so we were having a bit of a, bit of a down patch. I mean, our you know our books look like like your average marathon. You know, they go like okay. you saw the, the the balance sheet. It's, it's been peaks and troughs the whole way through. 2019, we got rid of this event, sold it to someone who did a far better job with it than than we we could have, and we had a booming year. Like all of our numbers were up, it was our record. So in terms of participants, our biggest year ever, the total amount of participants that that did the events. And we're like, whoa, that was great. We like, we just felt like we had the portfolio perfect. We had the people doing the right things. You know, the total sort of Auckland office dynamic was going really well. Just felt good. Everyone was just doing what they should be doing. And and everyone was bringing with it this high level of passion, which we're really fortunate in this business that you get these sorts of people. Yeah. And then 2020 started, we're like, we've got a great platform. We're back in the black. And we started off well. So, you know, I tracked the numbers really closely because – that's really important. Sure. And I know that now. But um, and 2020 started, we were we were reasonably significantly ahead of 2019. So mm. we were really, really heading into a, a really great year. And it also happened to be the year that I was like, right, we're heading for 20 years. So I had started to put in place my exit strategy, which is okay. part of, you know, a reasonably interesting, significant part of the journey and the story as well. And then March 16, man, I spent my whole day on the phone. I was at um, my nephew's birthday party at Rainbow's End, and I mm. spent my whole day wandering around as COVID became a real thing, and we yeah. the next day cancelled the first of seven events. Um, so five days out from the duel, which is our kind of yeah. event, we cancelled that five days out from, from D-Day and then spiralled into, <laughs> oh, I don't know what it was, mm. a pit of, despair and just craziness sure. craziness yeah that lasted from march 16 right through to now our, our first no our first event back was june the 28th rings a bell so what's that that sounds like maybe three three and a half months and you had to cancel um, seven events yeah we cancelled seven events through that time including a couple of events that like for example, we'd we'd had you know, and and it, what became really interesting was just the, the, the spin up that like our partners, for example, had on the COVID thing. We we mm. cancelled one that we could have put on. It was actually meant to be this month, but because we were working with the multinational brand, they just wanted no, so risk averse, didn't want any involvement. So yeah, the net yeah. the net result for us was cancelling a third of our portfolio mm. of events. So March through June. Again, that watching that revenue fall was crazy. Like we went in the first month and it was sort of based on year on year. We always look at year on year comparisons. We dropped to below 100% of the revenue that we made in the same time of the year. Nah. Right. With things like refunds and stuff. Like it was, 
it was madness. Mm. It was it was crazy from a from a business perspective. How close did you come to pulling the plug, or did or did it get that did it get that bad at any stage? It it didn't. And what's super interesting and ridiculously frightening is that we we so because of the nature of the business, you can't we couldn't afford to make cash refunds for events because you sink a lot of cost into events. You know, from from the outset, things like staffing and you know marketing and all those things. So we kind of implemented this credit based system. So we ended up issuing several hundred thousand dollars worth of credits to people that didn't do the events. And we're not really going to understand the impact of that from a financial perspective until those events open. We sure. opened a bunch sure. of them on Monday, actually. I don't know. As, mm. and, I, and, and no one really knows how to plan for that. So we got through this year. We will get through this year okay. Things like the wage subsidy really, really helped us. Um, it would have been entirely different if we weren't able to tap into that. Like it was yeah. kind of the difference between us being able to carry on and not. Yeah. And pretty, yeah. Quick, pretty quickly into COVID, my one thing, my one goal was to retain all everyone that worked for us. Mm-hmm. So that became that 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 became the thing that gave me my kind of single focus through through that first lockdown was doing that. And we, you know, today so far, everyone's still here. There's 12 people that work for Total Sport these days. But obviously, the next six months in particular are crucial to you guys. You you can't afford another lockdown or you know any more cancelled events. I would imagine. I don't think that it's sustainable to do what we've done again next year. We got such an amazing response from the community that's been developed over the last few years. Like some of the emails and the support messages we got from people were, to be honest, completely humbling and Mm. part of what probably got us through. People saying things like, you know, all we actually care about is you guys being here. Once we get through all of this, you know, we thank you for your, we thank you for your um, credit. Mm. but you can be absolutely sure that we're not going to use it. So like stuff like that was just like, oh my God, people really care about this stuff and they, you know, and they care about this. And I guess when I, what I try and tell to my team, you know, it's a really bizarre position to be in through that, those sorts of times is, well, I'm secretly having a mental breakdown and hitting rock bottom. You're trying to kind of put on a brave face and keep it all positive. And so mm. I tell my, I was just telling my guys, I'm like, man, this is, I, I think this is called brand equity. I think this is what we this is what we've been building up for the last twenty years. You know, yeah, people yeah. we're good we're good people doing good stuff, and there's clearly a lot of really amazing people out there who get it and who just want to support us. So, so how is your how is your exit strategy looking now? It died. It died. Okay. One of the casualties. One of the casualties of COVID. Yeah. yeah. So I actually got to the point like I was on three days a week mm. at the start of this year, mm. and I created this other um, opportunity where I was starting a, a trust and that trust was all about, it was called the Outdoors for Good Trust and that's whole that purpose of that whole thing was working with people that had faced and are facing adversity and basically trying to educate them around the benefits of being outdoors and creating opportunities to get outdoors. So I had some natural synergies with Total Sport and the plan was that Total Sport was going to um, pledge a percentage of revenue to this trust to give it a revenue stream. I became the executive director of that trust, salaried. So I'd gone and pitched this opportunity to some someone, and they'd gone for it. So I was actually down to three days a week. I was only doing a number of things. I was doing kind of strategy and finance and new business was really what I was doing at Total Sport, doing yep. zero operational stuff, and then. I basically had to quit that position or chose to quit that that position on the trust because it was just not the time to take the eye off the off the prize, I guess. So got got back into total sport total sport boots and all. 
Um, but I was, yeah, I was at that point, you know, heading into this year, prepared to, um, you know, sell more shares and become a lot less involved and ultimately probably just become someone that sat on the board and helped to steer the direction of the business, but kind of start to remove myself. I just felt that 20 years is a long time to do things. And I just didn't want to be the guy sitting in the corner making bad decisions. And so it was kind of a little bit about, you know, about being able to be being able to set up and kind of leave on my own terms, knowing that sure. um, there were people really capable of driving the business forward. But for now, that's um, fallen, fallen, um, fallen on hold. Over. On hold for now. Um, Aaron, listen, thanks so much. Just to finish, if you could rewind twenty odd years to uh, that young fellow who invested twenty grand into uh, a new company called Total Sport, what advice? What advice would you give him? Uh, I think I think we. Eventually, we got we got to the right place, but you know you've got to start with a plan. You probably go and watch um, some of Simon Sinek's TEDx talks. The one that pops out for me is the Start with Why. Go yeah. go watch that yeah. three or four times. Read some books. Um, talk to some people. Gather gather people around you because what I've learned is there's a lot of people out there who don't need or want to be paid, who have got skills and expertise and passion that they'd love to share. And then just surround yourself with those people. Put together, um, you know, put together a plan. It doesn't have to be super big. You know, I'm a firm believer that um, less is more when it comes to this kind of stuff. But you know, get clear around purpose, and then yeah, pur- purpose and people driven by driven uh, driven by passion. I think are the the three P's for me. That you know, if you get them sorted early, you're definitely heading in the right direction. I think. Magic. Listen, thanks so much, Aaron. Been a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Happy trails. Go well. (laughs) And you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and tell your friends. And if you've got time, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you use. Finally, if you want to learn more about how to tell your own origin story, visit my website, storybud.co. That's S-T-O-R-Y-B-U-D dot co, storybud.co. Thanks again and see you next time.